Welcome to the podcast. The Aging Hipster Movie. What we watch our favorite movie. The Aging Hipster Movie. Show why we like them. The Aging Hipster Movie. Everything we love in the cinema. It's the Aging Hipster Movie Show. Welcome to the Aging Hipster Movie Show. My name is Bob Serrano. Listener, I have done nearly 30 movie podcasts, and they have run the gamut of pretty entertaining to Bridget Jones's diary. And through most of these, I was joined by my lifelong friend, collaborator, and Little League foil, DJ webmaster, Toby Crines. This is going to be the second time Toby has been absent from the show. The first time was uh, for Star Wars 9, which I think it was called Thank God This Is Finally Over. I sent him to California to experience the movie in Hollywood, and this time I dispatched him to the West Coast again to take a road trip and take a pulse of America. Uh, I talked to him briefly tonight, and he made it through what the commercials call Ford Tough Country, and he is in Denver. He wishes that he could be here, but he is not. But that the show must go on. My dad always had a saying from the old country, when you are down to Toby, get yourself a Robin. We are joined today by our good friend Robbie Posey Leon from my TV family podcast. I am so overjoyed to having her come onto the show and subjecting her to The Last Starfighter. How are you doing, Robin? I'm fine, Bob. Subjecting is right. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it, like all these stuff, like stuff that you hated, but that's okay. That's why I love it. You're such a good, uh, <laughs> such a good person. I'm um, happy to be here, Bob. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, what have you been watching, Bob? I thought you'd never ask. I have two um, great shows for you if you are not watching them. Um, one grown up and one for for the whole family. Um, my husband and I just finished Insecure season four. Um, if you are not watching Issa Rae doing her thing on HBO's Insecure, I don't know what to tell you. It is the best show period. Um, and the, the past season was fantastic. It focused on female friendships, which, um, I'm always interested in seeing different perspectives on. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, and the second is Netflix's The Babysitter's Club, which was also fantastic. <laughs> it's so wonderful and current and lovely and full of Alicia Silverstone goodness. And I could not love it more. So two thumbs way up for The Babysitter's Club. Do you think my uh, daughter would like it? Like she's six? Yeah, absolutely. She... Okay, we're going to have to try that. We just uh, we need a new kind of nighttime uh, show for us we just finished queer eye so we're we're on the hunt so we'll have to check that out oh run don't walk to your netflix it's <laughs> fantastic and i'll have to try i keep on seeing insecure on i never watch as you know i continue to watch the wire continuously <laughs> and then, like i just rewatch it again and again um and once in a while i watch a bridge too far and uh some of the samurai movies i gotta say hbo max is basically like they found out like everything I liked and put it into one streaming application has like, all these has all these has all the HBO stuff. It has Rick and Morty. It has like all the like Adult Swim, the Boondocks, that kind of stuff. It has and I just they have all six uh, Lone Wolf and Cub uh, movies along with all the all this Criterion collection stuff um, from Turner Classic Movies. There's like the yeah. Battle of Algiers, like all that kind of stuff. It's just like. I've heard you know, good things. Except I have Roku, so I can't play on my dang TV. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's okay. I'll still have it. It's like my one thing in life. 
when I was like, when I, I don't even know when I said it, but I remember as a kid going like, when I make it, I'm just going to have HBO. And so I'll yeah. just, yeah. So anyways, thank you for being on. Also joining us, Monster Maker and VHS Collector. It's Tim Holly from Tim Monsters and Tape Freaks. Tim, how are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. And what are you watching? Oh, just a bunch of trash. Like as per as per usual. Lots of weird uh Dorish Wishman like sexploitation nonsense that I've been finding. And yeah, digging through the VHSs we got. And since we're taking advantage of the pandemic, we're catching up on all the stuff we've been piling up for a while. So Sounds fantastic. Well, I guess I guess the other thing is uh, the new uh, Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix we watched. Which was, was that good? It was, yeah, surprisingly pretty entertaining. I actually re- re- quite enjoyed it. <laughs> we, we were we were watching a bunch of old uh, Unsolved Mysteries recently, so when that popped up, I was like, oh, exciting. <laughs> you still get, uh, what's his name in the trench coat standing there like a, a flasher or no? Unfortunately, Robert Stack has passed away years ago. Uh, oh, so but they no. do use, they used an image of him during the on the credits, so that's it was kind of nice to see. But yeah, no. he Rest is from soul. beyond the grave. They didn't do a CGI I, version of him. <laughs> I've heard that show is not to be watched before bedtime. Can you confirm? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it falls in line with all the kind of that the kind of true crime stuff that Netflix has been doing. So there's it's mostly true crime stuff, and there's one of the episodes is. A, an alien abduction episode yes it's pretty fun oh man it sounds like fun that all that stuff plays on netflix and podcasting half of it's true crime <laughs> half of it's aliens <laughs> and there's just a little bit of us talking about movies and also in the podcasting universe is our very special guest moxie labouche from your brain on facts podcast uh she's a multi-talented performer and we are very lucky to have her on today thank you for coming on the show moxie no, nope. thank you for letting me come on and talk about one of my favorite movies. Yeah, so I was kind of uh, interested. I was I wanted to ask you about that because you got like kind of a list of possible stuff to um, watch, and you picked the last Starfighter, and I'm really interested in uh, finding out why. In the summer of 1990, I had this VHS where apparently one of my parents had taped off of HBO, uh, Flash Gordon and The Last Starfighter. And this was one of those summers of uh, staying up all night just to have the house to myself. And I, so I, I put some mileage on that particular cassette that summer because we didn't have cable hooked up in that, in that house. So, yeah, I've got a real uh, soft spot for The Last Starfighter. Can you and also can you tell us a little bit about your podcast, Your Brain on Facts? Yeah, Your Brain on Facts is your weekly half hour of things you never knew you never knew. Everything from the history of nursing to the origin of the Vulcan salute to the theft of Canada's strategic maple syrup reserve. And Just I did listen to <laughs> <laughs> Um Tim is near the Canadian border, so we're gonna have to ask him about that. Like, I'm sure he wasn't involved. Yeah. Uh, I, I did listen to your one on Guardian and also some other ones. I subscribed because I'm a good person and oh, they you. are very good. And I was like, I have, I've been guarding today or I mean this year, that's been my kind of summer quarantine thing as I become a, almost like a classic gentleman, just gardening my, my, uh, all my heart away. I got big old sunflowers and all that kind of stuff. So I, I thought it's, it's definitely um, it was a good episode, and I definitely recommend it to our listener who's out there. Now, Moxie, you, you have a bunch of really uh, fascinating stuff that you have in your past. And I, you know, it's really too bad because um, you said that you used to be a goat farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, Toby's not on because he used to say one of his first jobs was goat milking at his family farm. So, And he'd be able goat. to go right back to doing it 
blindfolded. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like driving a stick shift. It's a mus- <laughs> if a muscle memory, you will never lose. Then, except there's like four sticks. It's like a four stick shift, right? <laughs> no, that's cows. Goats, oh. have, goats have two that's teats. Two. It's one of the reasons that I raised goats and not cows was because uh, they only have two teats, not four. And I can usually get a hundred pound goat to go the direction I want it to go. A thousand pound cow is going wherever she wants. Oh, man. man, already the facts. <laughs> two udders, two not four. Do you have any other teats? Yeah, I'm what, sorry, one other. What? Yeah, what other? Oh, one udder. Holy cow. <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I'd be I would be fumbling my way around down there. I just <laughs> I was gonna say I was afraid. To... Would, I'm pretty sure you would figure it out. Interestingly though, because I would you know anytime we had friends over and it would get to be chore time, they'd always want to come out and look, and I'd offer if they wanted to try. Women would always try, and men almost never would, really? which is I think odd considering they were trying to get their hands on every other pair of teats within reach. But <laughs> when it came to the goats, they just not, didn't want to give it a go. And I thought the sexual tension was going to be low without Toby here. And look at us go. Yeah, we're all frothing at the mouths talking about goat milking. Yeah, it's out oh, of I'm, per- I'm perfectly calm. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. um, before we get on, did you have any facts that you want to hit us with other than go- with about goats? Just general, just facts from anywhere in the world? You know? uh, or the last Starfighter. Oh, I've got I've got pages of Last Starfighter facts. <laughs> okay. you guys. Oh, man. I never go anywhere without my facts. Okay. Uh, well, for example, this was not the first movie to use computer generated effects, but it was the first u- movie to, to rely on computers for the majority of its visual effects. And the way that they had the effects programmed originally would have taken, I think, seventeen weeks to render. It's so like after they did the programming, just to get the effects to render was going to take 17 weeks. Wow. Yeah. That is something. I wish we had like an air horn or something for you to play <laughs> when you're ready to announce something. But you'll just have to do like a very polite, excuse me. Excuse oh, I'm, me, af- I'm afraid that that's, oh, excuse me, it was 17 months. Oh. <laughs> it would have taken 17 months for the that's effects crazy. to render. And um, you'll find out that i'm no shrinking violet and when i have a fact that i just can can't contain it will be forcibly inserted into the conversation <laughs> oh that's fantastic on today today's movie everybody i just wanted to kind of um give a little background about my own thing because I, I have kind of a similar um, story like kind of moxie talking about like a magical childhood but uh, back when i was kind of growing up um you know uh we're going to go back to palatine illinois on the north side of chicagoland in the late 1980s where a, a certain young hipster by the name of bobby serrano who he didn't become bob yet um he was just kind of hanging out his dad picked him up every weekend and there uh, every sunday um he was brought to this arcade and my and his dad would give him a five dollar bill and drop him off for three hours and he would just have free play until like noon like every i don't know it was like every sunday but it seemed like a lot of sundays but um it was it was like one of the most magical things ever you're just running around you're just playing every video game that you can and so when i saw um the last starfighter is almost like um at a certain point in time uh they just took like a magical stethoscope and just put it to my heart 
and just whatever came out it would have just been the start like the last starfighter it's like i love these video games i hate <laughs> illinois just take me away from here you know and it's, it's pretty crazy because a lot of the stuff with the start with the last starfighter it's like a lot of just the daydreaming i did was just like well one day there's just going to be a uh like a spaceship coming down and <laughs> And, and Robert Preston's gonna come visit you. Exactly. <laughs> and I went to be at school and all my all the kids in my class are going to see how cool I really am. And I'm gonna give them the big F you and I'm gonna go out and join the Star League. And um when my spaceship comes, it's over for you bitches. <laughs> and you're gonna wish you're nicer to me, even though people weren't really that mean to me. Um uh, <laughs> it's just but um I don't know. It's just like one of those things. Like you know, I even had the because you know, like a lot of these movies had the books as well. And my mom was had this huge library of sci-fi novels, and so I read the book multiple times as well as uh, watching the movie. And then you know, so it's nice to. So that's why I picked the movie, and it's nice to kind of watch it again. You you read the adaptation, like the yeah. Did so? Do you remember it at all? No. Okay. I, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> but, you know, who knows how much of, like, the story got, like, kind of, like, uh, intertwined with my fantasies of <laughs> having spaceships come down and rescue me out of, out of uh, high school classrooms and stuff like that. Well, and that all of your video game training was leading up to this <laughs> yes, moment, right? Like, yeah. that's, I'm just the not... wish fulfillment was, <laughs> it jumped out. Yeah, there's a reason why my father just dropped me off for hours by myself in the middle of nowhere, just playing yes. video games, just to train myself for something. As it was you know? written in the text. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get on to The Last Starfighter. Tim, would you like to tell us about it? Sure. Uh, released the summer of 1984 uh, in July. Uh, the brief synopsis is a video game expert, Alex Rogan, finds himself transported to another planet after conquering the last Starfighter video game, only to find out it was just a test. He was recruited to join the team of the best Starfighters to defend their world from the attack. Uh, that's not quite accurate, but, you know, it's close. Uh, directed by Nick Castle, written by Jonathan R. Betul, I guess. I don't know how you say his last name, but uh, my doing a little research, he was a cab driver that wrote this. It was his first screenplay, and then he also wrote My Science Project, only to have his career squashed by uh, writing Theodore Rex, the Whoopi Goldberg film. Writing, uh, producing, and directing Theodore Rex. Yes. <laughs> Truly uh, he, history's greatest villain. He, uh, he, went, he really went hard on that one. It didn't, didn't pay off. <laughs> uh, so then you have the other stars, Lance Guest and Robert Preston and K.E. Cooter. Uh, the budget was $15 million. Uh, opening weekend was a little over $6 million. And then uh, grossed twenty eight, uh, uh, yeah, twenty eight million and change. Uh, it says that according to this, is the cumulative worldwide gross is the same. So I guess it didn't get released overseas, or this is incorrect. I'm not sure. Uh, but man, uh, the summer and year of 1984 was was a heck of a year. Uh, some of the other films that came out were uh, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, The First Police Academy, Footloose. Beverly Hills Cop, Star Trek Three, In Search of Spock, uh, Terms of Endearment, and Romancing the Stone are the top ten. Uh, this one, uh, Last Fighter, Starfighter, actually beat uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, which is pretty what? awesome. Also yeah. an unappreciated classic. <laughs> yes, a great film. 
Uh, and then, yeah, just to go into some some fun tidbits that I found in my research, which you uh, feel free to jump in, uh, Moxie, at any time with some of your facts. But uh, first off, Nick Castle, the director of this, uh, has a long history working with John Carpenter. And if uh, you're unfamiliar with John Carpenter, uh, yeah. I don't know how you wouldn't you would be. But, yeah, he's the writer, director, uh, like a musician responsible for Halloween and Big Trouble in Little China, as, many, as well as a ton of other great films. Uh, but yeah, Nick Castle played the shape in the original Halloween. He was Michael Myers in the first film or one of a couple actors to play the role, but he was the main one and so much so that they brought him back in the most recent Halloween film to reprise the role in some of the scenes in the, the Michael Myers mask. Uh, and then he, he co-wrote Escape from New York with John Carpenter. He w- also worked on the John Carpenter's uh, student film Dark Star, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. And uh he was in John Carpenter's band, which is a uh, short-lived weird vanity project that they did in the 80s called uh, the, the Coupe de Vils. Uh, and the, the album's called Waiting Out the 80s. And it is hilarious if you look it up. What uh, was but it, it about the 80s that like movie people, movie stars and comedians, we let them make albums? Like <laughs> Eddie Murphy, I, Don Johnson, Bruce Willis. Why did we let this happen? I don't know. But this well, one was a special weird because it was... Nick Castle singing and mostly written by John Carpenter, but then it also the other band member was Tommy Lee Wallace, the director of Halloween three and Fright Night two. Uh, so the three of them like co- collaborated on this project. They also did the the title song for Big Trouble in Little China, which there's a music video for, which I highly re- recommend at some point looking up on YouTube because it is hilarious. Uh, so yeah, Nick Nick Castle also directed a major pain and. Uh, Dennis the Menace, which is pretty funny, but he didn't he didn't do a, a ton beyond this. This is kind of his he, definitely his his high po- point of his career. Uh, and then uh, th- there's other great connections to John Carpenter with this movie, like Lance Guest. Uh, you, you probably recognize from Halloween two, and then um, uh, what's his, uh, what was my notes? I'm blanking his name. Oh, Dan o- Dan O'Hurley, who plays Grig in a. Uh, in the last Starfighter, he was uh, uh, Colonel Cochran, the main villain in Halloween Three, as well as the old man from the RoboCop One and Two. He's the kind of head of uh, OmniCorp. But you probably I instantly recognized his voice, and I was like, I didn't realize that that was him under all the makeup until we re- we rewatched it, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, there's a, and there's a ton of other there's like weird cameo people that are in all the different like the first three Halloween movies throughout this throughout the last Starfighter, uh, and then Ron Cobb. Uh, Ron Cobb, you would probably a lot of people probably don't know his name, but they definitely would recognize his work. Uh, he was a production designer and an art, like in the art department on a lot of films, and uh, so he did all the like the, the production design for for this this movie outside of the CGI effects. Um, but then he's also credited as working on Conan the Barbarian, The Abyss, Alien, Aliens, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Back to the Future, like tons of stuff. Uh, and then another crazy thing was that he designed the ecology symbol, which it's like become sort of like in like the late sixties and is like on all like the earth day promotions and stuff. He was like a graphic designer before he got into films. So it's like this, like kind of like iconic image that he designed before he got into filmmaking, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and he not only designed the, the spacecrafts for this movie, he even wrote technical manuals for them. Yeah. So this is, this is, grade a super nerd material here that he he didn't just have to he only had to draw them 
Yeah. But he wanted to know how they worked. <laughs> he's a crazy interesting person if you look into him. He's like his his fingerprints are all over so much iconic stuff. It's crazy. Uh and then as you were mentioning before with the CGI, uh this isn't the first with CGI even though a lot of people claim it is. Um like but it's the first that that incorporated a ton of CGI effects. Uh to, then but the the big I guess the kind of benchmark is that it was a trying to create um, photorealistic effects where up previous to this, almost the CGI that was being used was like the C, like the robot vision in the original Westworld or like uh, grid designs, like on computer monitors, uh, like Wrath of Khan, there was the uh, Genesis effect. And then, then obviously in Tron, which we'll get into when we watch that, uh, there's like the light cycles and some of that stuff where like you're inside the computer. So it's like got this sort of animation look to it. Whereas this is the first time they were trying to make it photorealistic, which is, pretty amazing and then like you said like it, they were they were ready to do them all a certain way and then they had to like figure out the math of how many part particles and how long it would take to render and it would put them like a more than a year over their their time so they had to start cutting corners and start scrapping and reusing scenes and things like that to try and figure out a way to like make the the designs work with what they had yeah they were the awesome. first team to actually work with particles in CG. Right. So there was some pioneering happen and to, to get the rendering time down to some way to still, you know, get the effects done in time. Cause they were 27 minutes of like a 90 minute runtime. Um, they had to basically dial down the, the resolution on a lot of things. So mm-hmm. uh, planets basically lost their texture and a lot of things got really simplified, but it was either that or delay the film by a year and a half. Right. Yeah, they they were basically like like threatening to fire a bunch of them and then just completely go a different route and bring in like a, a mi- miniature team. But they were they were so hardcore about like doing this all like with computer graphics that they figured out a way to like to, to cut those corners and make it to get to the deadline that they needed. And like it's funny that in the ed- end credits, I've never seen a computer get an end credit where it was the Cray XMMP is the like the supercomputer that they like built and we're using for all the computer graphics so it's like it has a full credit at the end of the movie which is kind of amazing well so they could have trimmed some of the the strain on the computer some of those shots really should have been done with models and miniatures yeah it's like this would have looked a lot better with a plastic toy yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the, that's just scratching the surface of that stuff but i figure well we can keep moving on and i'll keep interjecting when i with some other fun facts great well well let's get to the critics consensus um by and large very favorably um met by both audiences and critics alike maybe not robin we're gonna get into that uh (laughs) (laughs) we got from rotten tomatoes 74 percent um from the critics from the tomato meter rated fresh 69% from the audience score. Um, I saw some of our favorite people like Gene Siskel. I found like the little clip and I'll try to uh, put that in um, a little bit later, but it was basically Gene, Gene liked it, which was funny. Gene actually <laughs> liked it. Robert, e- Robert Ebert did not like it. Uh, Gene liked it, but he liked sort of a lot of the stuff that a lot of the story about like, um, uh, like kind of the the 
he didn't really like the at the end like the star fighting stuff but all the stuff before then he found pretty interesting the weapons there is right out of the very first star wars movie mm-hmm. i like some of the ideas in the last starfighter but i can't quite recommend the movie and i can i like the idea the, the premise i think is terrific and you know that this is training ground for mm-hmm. the big show the big leagues um i also like where that was set in this little trailer park you know that uh, the light is annoying this little kid. And so. He's, so he liked he's everything about the last Starfighter except the Starfighting. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he liked. I couldn't, but, I couldn't tolerate watching them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert. So oh, um, Team Ebert. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, but let's get into our own thoughts. Let's start with you, Moxie. What do you think about upon rewatching this movie? Well, it wasn't. Um, quite as impressive. And I don't mean from a visual standpoint, but I just, it felt kind of really thin and light all told because a lot of the really amazing actiony, like tension uh, it's us against the entire armada. It, it's kind of like two guys in adjoining cubicles, just talking about it. So that I found a little bit of a letdown. And I know one common critical complaint was that it was of course derivative of star wars because everything set in space since 1977 is accused of being derivative of star wars and they're both they're both very basic hero's journey stories that don't deviate from that six point path at all so naturally they're going to be similar any hero's journey in space is going to be accused of ripping off star wars and robin have you seen? Did you see this before? Or nope. First time. Oh, no. oh, I'm ready. Let's. So let's gonna, don't oh, judge no. it. By, don't judge it on the graphics. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. So that's like my jumping off point is that through the 2020 lens, um, I completely agree with you, Moxie. That you can kind of see the particle board. You know, it's like a little. It's a little thin, right? Like some of the interactions um, do seem like like two dis- dudes talking in a porta potty. Um, but I thought it had a kick-ass theme song that was only slightly derivative of the star Wars. <laughs> theme song. But that, that's a ripoff of another piece anyway. So yeah. Oh, that John Williams. Yeah. Um, so I just loved how everybody was so excited about that damn video game. Like they were <laughs> real jazzed about it. <laughs> Um, I will say that if I had seen this film in the theater, I would have, it would have blown my mind. Um, and it's funny that you said that, um, Temple of Doom was on the list for that year. I remember seeing that in the theater and it still gives me nightmares. So that's where I was when y'all were (laughs) watching this fine film. Um, but it was, you know, I watched it. I watched the whole thing for the beginning part (laughs) and through the middle and then all the way to the end. And that is a movie I watched. And that's that. Yeah, just wandered off sometimes. Like, it's got some refreshment. Didn't necessarily pause it, but I was like, it was still playing. There were snack breaks here and there, but (laughs) I watched the film and I I did like it. We'll get into favorite parts down the road. So there were some things for even little old me to sink my teeth into. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to say about the arcade, about the whole trailer park game behind uh, Alex. Um, as someone that played a lot of video arcades, my community was not that much behind me. <laughs> not like, they're supportive. Just, they're like, go for it, Bob. Like, yeah. I was like, like settle it. down, Otis. It's because the, the kids in yeah. the arcade had something to do. Yeah, I guess that's true. The people they're, in that trailer park, this was the highlight of their year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Truly. Uh, and I think originally, so they were very mindful of how close they were kind of getting to um star wars and all that kind of stuff and they were originally going to have this um 
set in the suburbs, but they decided oh. not to because E.T. was in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, uh, it's like, um, it's getting, you know, it's like one of those things we they like, we got to change it a little bit. And so that's where they decided to do the trailer park. And so that's where that kind of. Kind of yeah, from, big yeah. big doings at the at the Starlight. video game console. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's gonna break the like, record. Yeah, <laughs> everyone get later, up here. Yeah. I'm gonna go make out with somebody at the lake. <laughs> I don't know how he couldn't have been the record on the machine unless it came with high scores on it. And yeah. high scores get deleted off of, is if you unplug one of those machines because they didn't have capacity to save that the technology didn't allow for it. So. I've been wondering all evening because we we just watched it an hour ago to make sure it was fresh in my mind. Who set the original high score? It's not a real. It wasn't a real machine. Right. But it's funny because he mentions that they were like they needed to get them out so they could get the merchandise in stores before Christmas. But it's like what merchandise? Like you're just putting a random video game out, right? Like or was was, it was actually supposed to not not in the movie? This is meta. there was supposed to be a last Starfighter game for the uh, the Atari 2600 and 5200, but they, they were like too many li- movie license games at the time. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the, the foul stench of the E.T. game uh, Ooh, will linger yeah, over the bad. industry forever. Uh, so they, they just gave them generic space shooter uh, names and put them out anyway. So that wasn't about <laughs> actually. But yeah, he talks about having to market this. Um, as a game so maybe in the game universe there was a home console version that right. uh, the poor kids of this trailer park just could not afford yeah they they also designed uh, action figures for this movie but they never actually went into production because the the, who, the toy company had got cold feet <laughs> Man, well, there's like, just like so much that they just didn't like go for it further with this it's sort of yeah. like they made it they're like oh, it's good enough it made enough money <laughs> yeah. let's let's just call it good everybody yeah. you know well, well, if, a, if a movie like that came out now at you know scale up the standards there you can guarantee there would at least be funko pops Mm-hmm. because well, if you if you breathe they make a funko pop of you right mm-hmm. they, they they wanted to make the figures after it overperformed like they, they didn't think it was going to do that great and then the opening weekend and the opening couple weeks it did so well that they had wished that they had gone into production but anyway, it was too late at that yeah. point to try and get them out by christmas oh what could have been tim what'd you think of the movie uh, it was a blast. I mean, it's obviously has its flaws, but uh, I hadn't seen it since, for years. And it's one of those movies I watched a lot when I was younger. And so it, it definitely held up in certain regards. There's certain things like the, the, when you see the, the, uh, what do they call it? The, re- the replicant, whatever, like the beta. bladder effect. Like, I remember that just gave me like, yeah, some kinder trauma as a child uh, <laughs> yeah. that freaked me out. Uh, and then, uh, did, yeah, you were saying the Craig's a fan score. God, I forgot how good it is. It's so I I love the score of this movie so much, <laughs> and I, I I really do love the production design, like all the ships and like the creatures and the weird tentacle monsters mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like some of like the practical effects in it are really really fun. So yeah, it's it's just a weird. It's weird because it's you. There's a lot of wishy washy with him, like the like the your tit our titular character, like not wanting to be the last or you know, not wanting to be like part of the the, the startled fleet, whatever, and. You're like 70 minutes into the movie before he's like, okay, fine. It's like, just like, yeah, <laughs> he's not super likable at the beginning no. either. He's kind of a whiny dickhead. Did he like, <laughs> he like went back twice, right? He yeah. tried to go back twice. Yeah. He went back yeah. all the way once. He tried yeah. to go back. He found out they were sending assassins after him. 
And, and then, so he was like, okay, back into space then for the sake of my family. And then uh, spoiler alert, that's when he finds out that the whole rest of the fleet got wiped out in his absence. Cause right. a lot goes down in a short period of time in this, in this film. Mm-hmm. Cause it, like, like uh, our heroes all know one another for about 17 hours. Right. Well, it's like, <laughs> like it's first, was supposed to be like this epic war. Like their entire fleet just gets wiped out. Like yeah. instantaneously. They, they were all in one hangar somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They only had like ten people. Strategically like, questionable. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe maybe they were down to the last because you know they're recruiting from far flung places and Earth's not even in like their their you know their version of dupe. Um, somebody just giggled when they heard that. Uh, <laughs> and and so they've got like new recruit orientation going on. So maybe they were scraped in the bottom of the barrel at this point. Yeah, because yeah. what the Rylands were not like. What they they uh, the Rylands, which are the with the guy the people with the old man hair. Yeah, um, male powder oh, baldness. <laughs> yeah, even the women, which are like yeah. sort of like okay, hey, like I'll go with it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, so yeah, like anyways. So they just don't have the heart to fight anymore, um, right? They're, Is that they're the whole lovers, thing? Not fighters. I mean, so except for Zer and his people. <laughs> but um, I mean, maybe maybe it's hard to recruit when your your motto is victory or death. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I wrote that down as one of my favorite lines. Hold on, so one guy when the two guys are they're realizing it's over. The two bad guys that were with the other bald guy, uh, the one turns to the other and says, "What do we do?" And the other guy goes, "We, we die. die." And that was like their <laughs> parting. Well, first, his visor dramatically flips back. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> he just had that thing that just went back and forth. That was awesome. That was a sweet uh, little optical situation there. I like that. That's a cool accessory. You kind of need that for whenever, like, especially if you're a parent and, like, yep. a kid comes, like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, sink. And you're like, what? Excuse me? Like, <laughs> just over one eye, though. Yeah, just over one eye. Just like, you wanted an apple? Like, what did you want? Another snack? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I was, like, it's sort of like the Star League can't have the resources. To, maybe they spent all their resources building this gigantic fa- the um the wall that doesn't work you know which is kind of funny yeah Yeah. the frontier (laughs) like imagine that you build a border wall that doesn't work Uh, (laughs) um but but in space that's a lot of frontier stuff that you have to build like to try to keep people out so it's like (laughs) maybe that's where they spent all their their money yeah you know I, I was also like, I guess, for as far as the technology goes, I was a little bit confused by how the uh, the translator thing worked. The little weird, uh, I guess, it's like a digital watch circuit yeah, that board that cool. they just stuck on yeah. them. But like, it's like so then it just like sticks onto your clothes and you translates. <laughs> I got an opinion. I got, I got a theory. Okay, um, I to prepare for uh, today today's recording, I watched the uh, Good Bad Flicks episode about the last Starfighter. It's a really good YouTube channel. You guys mm-hmm. would dig it the most. Um, and he, his one kibitz was how at the end, when, when Alex comes back the second time and Grig is there and he meets all the humans, mm-hmm. Grig can understand everybody and everybody can understand Grig and oh. no one but Alex is wearing a chip. Now, hold on. Cause I think <laughs> that actually answers the other question because what good would a translator chip do you if it only worked in like a two foot radius? So it must have a very wide effective range. That way you could hear if someone on the other side of the room was speaking to you, it would translate. So I figure that chip, however it works, must have a wide enough effective radius to cover the whole group of people standing there. And then mm. so, yeah, so it's translating it for the other people near him? like 
That's what we're going to go with. A wizard, <laughs> yeah. a wizard did it. Because I was yeah. confused by, yeah, when Greg shows up and then I was like, how does everybody understand what he's saying now? They don't have the chips. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. I figure the chip has to have a wide effective range. Okay. Yeah, and then they put um, uh, Alex's chip on his flannel. On his one shirt that he's never wearing again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was yeah. really hoping you wouldn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I remember watching, it's like, oh, you're going to have to wear that the whole time. And it's like, oh, <laughs> we're fine. You know, we put it on there, you know. Um, I, I suspect that's why in Guardians of the Galaxy, when they're doing the mugshot bit, you can see in the corner for, um, I've forgotten the character's name, the actor's name, the Star-Lord. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, you can see in the, the bottom star lord it actually says he has a translator chip in his ear so like oh. let's just get out ahead of this before yeah. the nerds get on the comment section <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh i didn't even i didn't even think of that to get upset about that so i'm glad you talked <laughs> me down already i really like guardians of the galaxy so i was just like i'm just fine with whatever <laughs> Hey, so let's get into our special segment today. Um, I did want to do a scene, I, you know, a scene deep dive, but I decided to scrap it because I really wanted to get into the beta unit, which was kind of a fun little thing. So I have, a, uh, so right, we're going to go through kind of a fun little, um, I guess, exercise. It's going to be called Send the Beta Unit or Do It Yourself. Um, so this segment is all about the fabled beta unit that took Alex's place to the trailer park. Uh, screwed up the neighbor's power and TV, freaked Lewis out, uh, pawed around Maggie, and drove the, drove into the interstellar assassin ship and died in that one guy's red truck. So anyways, I would, the beta unit is always something that's out there. I thought it was a really fun part of the movie. It was something that they added more scenes on later. So it was like they added on. We're like, this is actually kind of working. And um, one of the, if you've noticed, like the beta unit seemed to have like a wig on. He yeah, actually did terrible, have... terrible wig. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. you couldn't notice. Yeah. It's I, which I think so kind of bad. Plays... Ten dollars shake and go party city wig. Yeah, yeah, that was like pretty in pink levels of yeah. bad. Because yeah, my what I'd heard was that they uh they they only shot the scene where he's interacting with himself as the beta unit, and then that scene played so well to test audiences that they decide they're going to add more beta unit to the film. But by that point, like the uh, the lead actor had gone off and cut his hair. And so they like had to reshoot it all with like with whatever they had, but they didn't have any like money left in the production because they're putting pouring it all into trying to render all the effects at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it, I think it kind of adds to the weird like yeah, yeah no you could you're like developed. oh no that's not the real him that's <laughs> yeah. the yeah so it's, if nothing else it adds a little uncanny valley spice to it yeah yeah I dig it so yeah so this is one of those things uh, if we all had our beta units and so so do you send the beta unit to do this stuff or do you do this yourself? Tim, eating a giant plate of pancakes. I just do it to my do it myself. <laughs> Why let him have the, the joy? <laughs> Moxie, going to the lake with some local yahoos. <laughs> well, if they're specifically the yahoos from this particular film, uh, I will let the beta fall on that sword <laughs> because. Oy, yeah. an insufferable group of pricks. Yeah, and, they are. And this, the guy, the guy whose truck it was, of like, wow, great read. This really, it, his lines were as convincing as like Steve Buscemi's "Hello, fellow young people." You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah like, so I will stay home, and the, and the beta can go and hang out with them. Do you think Alex is uh, liable for that that red truck? <laughs> you know, because of his beta unit. I don't know where the legality of this is in Rylos. Well, but. he's going to be really hard to serve papers yeah. to now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he didn't that, leave a forwarding address. 
Oh, if it was me, server is not going up there. No, not at all. Um, if it was me, like leaving Richmond, Illinois, in my star ship, I'd say something like, "Mail me, dumbass," and I'd just be out of there. Um, shoot, Robin. Um, going to a friend's birthday dinner. Um, that sounds like there will be cake, so I will do that myself. Thanks. I totally forgot to to set that up. It was uh, but anyways. That's besides the point. It was a surprise for everyone. It was, yeah, it was a surprise for everyone. Um, Tim, providing constructive criticism to an underperforming employee. Oh, I'll let the beta unit do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, Moxie, I got a special one for you. Um, if you are George R.R. R. Martin, do you send your beta unit or yourself to fi- finish Winds of Winter? Look, everybody needs to get up off Mr. Martin's back. Okay? He is a very nice old guy. And and I had the distinct pleasure to meet him because I produced the only George R. R. Martin approved Game of Thrones burlesque show. And we actually got to play for him in his theater. And my husband, Dante the Inferno, did a routine as George R. R. Martin in front of George R. R. Martin. And everybody needs to back up off him about the book. He's a hunt and peck typer on a green screen computer, you're lucky you've got as much book as you've gotten. (laughs) So no, he would continue to work on the book. I, who is he and send the beta to all the damn cons and award ceremonies that take up his time. And it's cause he was, he had to do an appearance at a con that I ended up getting his blessing for my show anyway, but still I would like let him work on it and his beta can do all the public appearances and get mobbed by fans and get asked inappropriate questions. Like what happens if you die before you finish? I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a husky boy, but uh, you don't just ask people that. Yeah. He's taken to just answering that with the finger. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I would, I don't blame him. (laughs) So I guess that was, uh, you'll, Yeah. Uh, sorry yeah, about the that. Man, the man himself finished the book and the beta yep. do all of the annoying public appearances. <laughs> <laughs> and answering questions from like me where I think I'm being all witty. But anyways, <laughs> um, all right, last one. Robin, spending the next six months at home in quarantine with your family. Are you sending the beta unit or are you doing it yourself? Oh, I can't hear you. Lost you. Uh, send the beta. I was not meant to homeschool. Beta, beta squad. <laughs> beta. Yeah. Send all of us like real ones out to the Star League or something to go do something. I don't know this. Yeah, homeschooling. No, thank you. But anyways, <laughs> all right. That 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 was our beta unit uh, segment. <laughs> Let's get on to our another special segment. It's from the 1984. Some facts and figures. I have some questions for all of you. Um, Moxie, it's time to put you in the hot seat. I know that you're a resident fact expert, so I'm going to pitch you against Robin and Tim in a quiz about all things 1984. Are you guys ready? Yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. First question for everybody. Um, I'm going to ask it, then you just give me your kind of question, like price of right style. Uh, but the lowest number or whatever doesn't like, you know, it's, it's the closest. Not you can go under. Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> Wait, is it prices right rules or not? Because that, that uh, 
Well, okay, okay. I'm sorry. It's Price is Right is that we're going to go through everybody and give their question. But if you go, no, it's not Price is Right rules. Not, I'm thinking about <laughs> okay. I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> Drew okay. Carey, your job is yeah. safe. Yeah, don't worry. Like, I don't know the game anyways. Okay. Um, okay, the Macintosh computer debuted in 1984 and sold 250,000 units. What did it retail for? Closest amount wins. Think about it for about five seconds, and I'll start asking. Just give a guess. Moxie. I'm going to say $2,000. All right. Robin? I'll go fifteen hundred. All right, Tim. I was gonna say two thousand, so I'll probably go. I don't know. A dollar. A You're dollar. Get, either <laughs> go two thousand one or nineteen ninety nine. I'll, I'll do twenty five hundred. It had to have been a lot. I just don't know. Like eight, like eighties dollars. I don't know. It was one thousand nine hundred and ninety five dollars. Uh, eighties dollars. So Moxie <laughs> got within five. Wow. That nice. is five on that. Nice. Putting the. Moxie Lobby <laughs> right there for that. Um, second question. How much was the cost of a Panasonic VHS player? An extra credit. How much was a JVC videotape? Mm. Five and then go around. All right. Tim. Well, I mean, VHSs were like retail like 80 bucks at that point. So... I would say the player had to be like a grand or something like that. It had to have been like early on. Those players had to have been quite a lot. So I'll say about a thousand. For 80 bucks? If you bought like a movie, a movie like really? retail for movies. Wow. Were like about 79.95 is at the back of most VHSs save if they were from that time period. Damn. Um, so I would say then a blank one, I don't know, 30 bucks. Okay. I mean, Robin, got any questions? Uh, got any oh. No, a thousand and, yeah. uh, I put me down for 20 bucks for the blank tape. And how much did you say, Tim, for the player? I said a grand. I'm sure I'm overshooting it, but it, it had to have been quite a lot. 750. All right. And Moxie. final answer. <laughs> uh, I think that the original VCRs were actually more expensive. I think it was like used car area. Uh, right. Expensive. So I'm going to say two grand on that again. On the right. terms, in terms of the tape, I did a whole episode on format wars, and that's even in the Your Brain on Facts book. And I'm sure I cited the cost of the VHSs in the beginning, but damned if I can remember it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go forty dollars on that, so two thousand on the player and forty on the blank tape. All right. So according to this, I got it from PopCultureManus.com. 1984, the price of a Panasonic VCR was $499. A 120-minute JVC videotape was $999. I thought I remembered it being just absurd. Yeah. Huh. Maybe that was like a better. Maybe Panasonic was kind of the lower one. But but still, Robin wins that. (laughs) Woo! Okay. Um, okay. Third yeah, but question. Even still, like five hundred bucks when it's still a lot. When, of money when the minimum wage was probably like a buck fifty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Definitely. It's still a, a whole lot of money. Even like the nineteen ninety five. It's like even that's a lot of money today. Yeah. It's more money than my, my computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Third question. According, yes. According to the website I'm looking at, they named five male sex symbols in nineteen eighty four. 
you can you get one point for each one that you name. On Bob, here. did you put this on here for me? I feel like this is this is aimed directly at my wheelhouse. <laughs> it, it is kind of a softball because I was like, I gotta <gasps> do no. How right? It's he's still su- baseball. He's suggesting speak. that girls can only play softball. <laughs> See that oh. sexism? Oh my god! Oh, oh, he, just like has, a... he just has us on his tokens. Sports <laughs> oh, ball. Man. Sorry about that. Oh man. <laughs> um, let's start with you, Moxie. Then. Since I'm running my mouth. Okay, nineteen eighty-four. Yes, go are, ahead. Are we each just naming five people, or are we just going around and naming? Like, oh shoot, that's a yeah. Good idea. I think probably going going around, and then when you when you miss it, you you drop out. That's a good one. Okay, so Ooh. you can... cutthroat. I like it. <laughs> but it's God a good way damn. to handle a list format. Oh shoot, Max, Max, you're a lot better at this than we are. <laughs> Thank you for being on. Okay, start. You go. You start, Moxie. Okay, I would say um, Tom Selleck. <gasps> oh. No, that was my first no. guess. That was my oh, first good. guess too. That's terrible. I'm glad I didn't say that. <laughs> this is according to pulp cult, uh, pop culture madness.com. Tom Selleck is not on here. Hmm. No clarification. Are they all? Is it male or male and female? It's all male. It's all, it's all male, male, and it's not necessarily they all, have all hairy chests for days, probably. <laughs> and there is one. There is one singer in here. Four oh. actors and one singer. So, Moxie, we'll give you another turn going around, too. Okay. Robin. Um, put me down for Mel Gibson. Yep. I hated saying it. He's garbage as oh, a he's person. he's a garbage but human, but he was good looking in 84, yeah. Oh, we, hell yes. We can, we can yes agree on all these points. <laughs> that, like, diehard mullet. Oh, okay. no, not diehard. I'm too old for Lethal this Weapon. Like, yeah, there you go. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Anyway, he's garbage, but put me down for one. Yep. Okay. Tim. Or is uh, Robin still or Tim? What do you got? Don Johnson. It's not a legit good guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good nope. guess. Didn't he sing? He could be a singer. <laughs> oh yeah, he could be. No, singer. he Max did Zubatka. sing. I still yeah. would not call him a singer, but he was one on my advice, as a singer. Not, so, you, know. you know, I did stand up, and I would not label myself a singer. <laughs> <laughs> I got to figure out whether this is a. I have a. Uh, I have a thought on the singer. Go ahead. Okay. All right, Maxie. You want to take another swing? Burt Reynolds. Oh. Nope. 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 I, I I was hoping one of the mustaches would come through for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there a mustache? Like, there, I think there's a mustache in here. Yeah. Really? Maybe. No. Like, no. like an iconic I'm, mustache. No, I'm not saying anything. Bob. <laughs> okay. Try again. Let's go, Robin. What you got? Uh, put me down for... <sighs> I've got two. I'm... Gonna go Tom Cruise. Ooh, nope. Oh, no, not in here. <laughs> not in here. <laughs> no, that was either early for him or when he still had that incisor in the middle of his mm. upper uh, of his maxilla. Because if you if you look at early, bef- like pre Top Gun, and draw a line straight down the center of his face, there's a tooth right in the middle. Really? Yeah. Him. So after he got are, the top gun, money, he got that fixed. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he still has to stand on apple crates if you put him next to anybody <laughs> yeah. Anthony Edwards' size, but he got the two yeah. fixed. Tim, let's go. Hunk. Give me a hunk. Oh, man. We just already burned through all the ones that I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, 
John Travolta? Nope, that's not it. We'll do one more round, and then I will, I will let you guys know. Moxie. Okay, this is making us all look bad. Can you give <laughs> us a clue to one of them? Uh, yes. Pity on us. They are all white. Well, freaking duh. Because <laughs> representation was really important in 1984. That we were when when Ghostbusters came out came out on VHS when it wasn't letterboxed. They just freaking cut Ernie Hudson out of the scenes. Mm-hmm. Ernie so, Hudson is not on this list. So I was. These are great hints, Ernie Bob. Oh, I don't boy. care. I don't care what anyone says. Everybody, every hints. besides which, you know, everybody knows that, that Bill Murray is the sex symbol of the Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Here's one. The singer is not American. Ooh, so it's okay, not so Michael Bolton, is what you're saying. That's, that's what my well, brain he was, was, he was more '94 than than '84. <laughs> yeah. He was okay, still sexy so in the '80s. Though. Probably. Yeah. So a probably Brit, better in the yeah. A Brit or a Canuck? Oh, who was big in '84? How far back does Brian Adams' career go? Though he is also garbage person and not attractive. Is this person well, dead? Young. Uh, yes. That only helps a little bit because there are a lot of dead people. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, three of these people are lot, dead, and dead two people. two people are still alive. Is the singer the singer alive? No. Can I guess? So, yeah, well, so I, I, as far as I'm concerned, let's just work on this let's together. Crowd, let's, let's crowdsource this shit. Yeah, it's yeah. up against exactly. Bob. Okay, All right, yeah. Bob. Um, what about the dude? Uh, what? Uh, what's the guy's name from Wham? George Michael? No. Oh, that. Oh, that was a really good guess, uh, though. Thanks. Okay. I don't know if he's alive still, but I was thinking Rod he, Stewart. He alive. No, he's alive. He alive. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, we've, overlooked, we've overlooked an obvious one. And this goes onto my list of actors we let sing, but this one kind of pulled it off. And I know that because my sister had the soundtrack and she played it nonstop for a year. Dirty Dancing, Patrick Swayze's got to be on this list. Yep, Patrick Swayze. Oh, I got one. I got one. What about Kevin Bacon? Because Footloose was this year, right? Ooh, I like that. We'll go Kevin Bacon. (sighs) (laughs) I was thinking, Tim. Give us a good hint, Bob. A good, is it Harrison <laughs> okay. Ford? Okay, Harrison here, Ford? here. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, sing the melody of the singer's song. Okay. Right? Okay. Oh no! Oh, I'm so scared. Dun 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 dun. Gary Glitter. Dun dun dun. Wait 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 wait. Okay okay okay. Boom, it's a uh, boom boom. It's I need you tonight. Um. I need you tonight. Uh, Michael Hutchins. Yep, he's on there. Oh. What? Ooh, sad, yeah, sad bonus fact. The the <laughs> what a bummer. Uh, Everyone's like, oh. like, no, when, when, <laughs> when he when he when he passed, reporters actually reached his father before the police had. Oh. Oh. they called him for comment, and he hadn't been notified. He didn't know anything Oof. had happened. Mm-mm. Yeah, so boy, U- <sighs> UK tabloid reporters are a force to be reckoned with. Oh man. <sighs> okay, man. next. So two more. Um, Actors, this one, this one actor was uh, a superhero. Uh, he uh, had Christopher, Reeves. Christopher yeah. Reeves. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. And then the, the last Superman. one, um, he was, he was in, he's in a bunch of stuff. Okay, oh, thank mm-hmm. you. This, this he's is amazing. A he's a ginger. Uh, Ooh, he's a, ginger. I'm out. Sundance. Oh, Robert Redford. Yep, Robert Redford. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Yeah, so there we go. Robin got isn't he like he was pretty red haired and Bob. If you're not gonna go factual your heart throbs. Seriously, take some pride. Oh man. Okay. Oh fourth question. Uh Clara Peller asked a question on the Wendy's commercial. What was it? Where's the beef? Yep. Damn it, woman. That was fixed. Yeah, she Okay, and then uh Fifth question. Steve Gutenberg starred in Police Academy. How many of the seven Police Academies in the franchise did he appear in? Seven. Nope. <laughs> Enough to keep it going. So I'm going to say more than half. And since there were seven, I'm going to go four. Tim, what's your guess? I was going to say five, but it's my, I don't know. <laughs> it was four. He was in four Police Academies. Steve and Gutenberg, who, I guess. He should have been on the heartthrobs list. My God. I heard. He, I heard. He was more the the friend, bro, buddy next door. Want to go have a beer with? Kind of more than than sex symbol. But I, I didn't Just realize he was. Yeah, he was uh, a sex symbol. I didn't really realize it until listening to some stuff. Um, there are some rumors about his that is like Milton so, Burrow level. Yeah. Wow. So like yeah. the, uh, Liam Neeson of our own shores. We didn't even know about it. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg <laughs> is, has the energy. Like, three yeah. men and a baby. I'm, yeah. I'm going back on a rewatch. Yeah. It's like two, yeah. Two men, a tripod and a baby. And like, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, I went past the line. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, last question. How many minutes away to midnight? Was the doomsday clock in 1984? Mm, 17. Robin? 20? No. Well, I mean, maybe. Tim? <laughs> Five? Oh, Tim gets it. It was actually three. He got oh. close. Oh. All right. I so, knew it was, close, but I, I I knew it was a low number. I just didn't want to. <laughs> Bring the room down. <laughs> oh, man. Good all. Okay, so it looks like I think it's pretty much a tie between Robin and Moxie. Good job, you guys. <laughs> Ooh, we're just, we're just here to have fun. Let's get into some some questions. Oh, we've been having a lot of fun. Favorite parts of the movie? Does anybody have any some favorite parts they want to share? I like the love story, guys. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> even though, even though old girl was like, "Nah, see you never. Get back on your space coaster," and yeah. then like changed her mind at the end. No, the, her her decision to get on there at the end just doesn't make any sense to no, me. Like, it's like no. what is she gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah. why? Why you go with you? Yeah. Underwear. Yeah. I know. Take an overnight bag, girlfriend. You like, don't know. Is it all gonna be synthetic? Do you know what happens if you wear synthetic fabric? You know, all day, every day. Well, you're getting thrush, young lady. That's just all there is. That you know. But yeah, no. Let's daily go, let's medication. Go from, like, let's who knows? go from from not being able to think past literally the town you live in, like not even wanting to go to college outside of town, mm-hmm. to in under a minute deciding to go to outer freaking space. Yeah, that's got to yeah. be some good D. Yeah. Hey, when you. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's it's doing not it right. Gutenberg D, but yeah, it's like well. just what is really? <laughs> but when you look like a uh, trailer park Joe from the Facts of Life, like I mean, you get on that spaceship and Wait, you ride. Wait, what does look like Joe? Him or her? Her? Yes, affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. the love story. I'm here for it. 
Yeah, I, I kind of you know it's funny because uh, watching the movie, I found myself really enjoying kind of the story leading up to the space battle more than the space battle itself. I don't know if the of uh, all the CGI just didn't look as great as it did back in the back in the day, but I thought the the whole you know I loved Robert Preston. You know, he's definitely Centario yeah. is a lot of fun. Um, I don't and, understand why he has to take his face off to clean his eyes or whatever. Like that, it's just a, such a weird that was moment. Weird. <laughs> I don't understand how he used a handkerchief to put his whole disguise back on in the last yeah. scene when you could have yeah. just had him put on, had the alien face put on the same hat and just yeah. speak and it would have been okay. But yeah. no, no, go with, go with your first idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I enjoyed like a lot of that stuff more than just like, yeah, there. And so I think, yeah, definitely Centauri is my favorite part of the movie. Any other favorite characters? I mean, we talked about Centauri. There's, there's Greg, who is played by the 65 year old Dan O'Hurley. Mm-hmm. Um, any put, others? Puts me in mind of uh, puts, puts me in mind of Enemy Mine, which oh, yeah. it turns out my husband has not seen. What? So what? let's like get our hands on that real fast. Um, which I remember being a long film, so we'll we'll see how that matches up. He, I almost added that to this because I um, I remembered en- Enemy Mine. Um, oh, do it's and- so good. It seems like it. It seemed like it really dragged, though. I think for some reason I thought about that. It's just like it seemed like it was like a, just this huge, long, like t- like movie in the middle of him just like raising this alien child. That I got bored when I was a kid. Yeah, um. it was. It was kind of like two whole movies. Yeah, stuck mm-hmm. it was like him, him and and Drax, and then him and uh, the yeah. kid. But, yeah, it's like when does he go and kick ass again? Like <laughs> when the kid gets kidnapped, were you not paying attention? <laughs> exactly. One thing I've learned recently is is I cannot trust the way I remember things. Apart from the fact that I'm blonde, going through menopause, and have been struck by lightning, I can't trust my memory for anything. Um, <laughs> I remembered they live being a lot actionier than it is, and it's a bit more thinkier. It is definitely and a, slow. Yeah. And I was like, you can't eat popcorn to this. Outside of, of course, the great one of the best fight scenes uh, of cinematic history, just because it looks like an actual fight between Roddy Piper and um, Keith David, because mm-hmm. it really just looks like two men beating each other up in an alley, and they have to stop and catch their breath. And yeah. punches don't land; they miss stuff. <laughs> Is this the wrestler? Yeah, Roddy Roddy yeah. Piper, and crazy as a rat in a tin outhouse. <laughs> in real life, just. Yeah. Just knocking futs at the end there. <laughs> Robin, I got, did you... I got three diversions deep. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, Piper's always uh, welcome here. Robin, uh, going in with your fresh twenty twenty eyes, was there <laughs> anything that was a little cringy? Well, a handful. Um, an eight year old with a robust collection of Playboys. <laughs> um, that was. He's advanced for his age. Yeah. Can I... <laughs> at least he's reading. Yeah, that's true. Can I tell you a story about uh, that about my life and that? Um, it, it, I'm going to tell this story because I'm pretty sure my dad doesn't listen to all the way <laughs> through, and this is an hour in. But I remember he had like a stack of Playboys that he did not hide at all. It was just like in like his magazine stacks, and I would like sneak out there, probably around eight years old, and just be like. What's going on here? So, like, I like. Unfortunately, I don't think that's out of <laughs> there because eight-year-old Bob was kind of doing the same thing. But, but again, right. well, true to life, true to life. Yeah. <laughs> what else you got, Robin? Anything else cringy? I mean, <laughs> I probably did. I think that- 
<laughs> I think that uh, the Otis character um, was a little cringy, kind of in the his only the only reason he existed was to come and tell old whiny Magoo, what's his name, Alex, like that he needed right. to follow his dreams and his heart, and not that any of the side characters were well flushed out, but I think that was kind of a, a sign of the times. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a little bit of the magic Negro archetype. Yeah, uh, that you get when there's only one black person in a film, but but then like the other ninety percent of his character is it's just real, real close to shucking and jiving with his mm-hmm. level of enthusiasm and and cheerleading, and that is all the, all that character is. Yeah, I don't think like in real life Otis would really care about that that game at all. Just be like, hey, oh, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's here again. Like he should just get a job. And he, he never, like... and he never buys anything. How, yeah, how exactly. does he keep that snack bar open? Like, is this trailer park a lot bigger than they show us? Cause it's got the film opens as if it were a musical. It just doesn't have a song playing over it in terms <laughs> right. of no, really. Cause yeah. this is how mm-hmm. Nick Castle shot. It was, it was to be like that opening scene of a musical where you see where everybody lives and what everybody's like. And yada, yada. How does his, how does Otis's snack bar possibly stay open? Like, how is it even worth the electricity to turn on the fryer in the morning? These are the things you think about the 800th time you've watched something. <laughs> <laughs> the entire the entire uh, trailer park, just that they only eat from that snack bar. They, they don't buy their own groceries. Everybody Maybe it's too to... <laughs> hot to cook in their tiny trailers, so they just rely on him. Instead. All right, so what's the one video game for all of you that if you beat it, you would enter its world as a hero? If that makes sense. Which one you're getting sucked into? Yeah, which one? Which video game that you played throughout your life? It could be anything that you would want to be sucked into its world. Put me down for Zelda. <laughs> Zelda would be nice. I I'm such a puzzle game person. It's so it's like, like Tetris. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to end up as a Tetrino <laughs> or or Intelligent Cube, which is an amazing uh, game that was on that demo disc that came from Pizza Hut for the PlayStation One. That was so great. Um, I'll tell you what we are playing right now, which wouldn't be as bad as some other things. Is a really great game on Steam called One Hour One Life, and you are just you you one hour one life sixty years sixty minutes, and you're just baby. You just appear. And maybe your village is really advanced. And maybe your mother's wandering alone in the wilderness. And if you're playing as a female character and it's luck of the draw what you get, you'll just, baby will appear. And now you have to take care of baby. And and so each lifespan, assuming you survive to old age, is only one hour. And you there's all these crafting skills and it's real time suck. So since we just fired that up today as an anniversary present, my husband and I, I'd probably say I could tolerate being sucked into one hour, one life. Hmm. That's and crazy. Now, and now they and now they have to cut me a check. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Now they're sponsoring this. Please give us all money. Just give me money. Something. Or um, just give them copies of the game. It's a really good. Game. Right, exactly. Tim, can you think of any game? God, I, I'm not. I'm not much of a gamer. So I'm, everything I can oh. think of is just like, man, I wouldn't want to be like in the Earthworm Jim universe or um, <laughs> yeah. or Katamari Damacy. And it's like. I can't think of, I can't think, honestly, like, yeah, we're big. You know, we should, we should think things like flower (laughs) and journey, the art games, you -hmm. know, where it's just like, it's soothing spa music all the time. I mean, I don't play that. Like all my stuff is like (laughs) like 
aliens and yes i saw uh, that trailer for that no man's sky game that looked like it was really pretty so i guess i'll go with that one even though i've never played it (laughs) apparently you can wander around aimlessly for long periods of time and not interact with the game at all there you go perfect very mixed reviews on no man's sky i don't i'm not a big gamer but there is youtube is our tv so i'm always referencing youtube channels uh the zero punctuation game reviews where it's just this Australian it's one long fast sentence so I trust I trust uh, Yahtzee Croshaw to tell me what's good in the world of gaming these days. That is also a good I, I am familiar with his work and I definitely recommend him as well. Alright next question is uh, Alex our, our hero is very upset that he did not qualify for a student loan so that means he has to go to City College with all the truck driving uh, late going yahoos he despises and, and he can't go away to school. Now Moxie you know a lot of facts. It seems very easy nowadays to get student loans. In fact, we're all drowning in them. Was it harder back in the day to get these loans? It was, but not in the 1980s. I'm not sure what type of loan he was going for, of course, or you know, this wasn't a big enough plot point for them to necessarily yeah. research it, uh, because it was in the 1970s that Sally May was established, which made more uh, loan money available so more people could take loans and go to college back when it was kind of still a good idea. So the early 1980s were actually the the setup for the student uh, debt crisis, which went nuclear in the 1990s when uh, Sally Mae was privatized and could then, you know, was then a for-profit business and chicanery ensued. Yeah, There were shenanigans. <laughs> Oh, that's one of the things that was kind of funny. Funny, it's like he can't get a loan to go to school. It's like that's all they were just like waiting for me to ask for money. Just like here you go, do you need extra (laughs) money on top of that? Like here you go, just tell us how much you need. And of course, I was lucky. I went to when I went to college. It wasn't as expensive as it is today, you know. So like it didn't put me way down in the hole. Um. Next, let's talk a little bit about Zur the villain and the Kodan Armada. Um, or is there really much the, to the, talk the about? Fa- not- the Fey Englishman. How, yeah. regardless of what species it is, the villain should always be a Fey Englishman. <laughs> I mean, so it looks like he just wants generic p- power and to get back at his dad or something. Is that yeah. kind of it? He's only ruling because he has like a pointy stick, basically. Yeah, it's a replica pointy stick too. I think <laughs> it's not even the real one. I think he they even say that it looks just like the real scepter. <laughs> but I think, I think that actually gave him authority over the, the red guys, kind of like the, the, the stone of Schoon that's under the, um, under St. Edward's throne. So that when the, in- when an English monarch is crowned, because they're sitting on the stone of Schoon, they're also now the, the monarch of Scotland. So I think that this replica staff was what gave him authority over the red aliens who are the, the actual bad guys that we're seeing. The Kodan, the Kodan Armada. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just sort of, yeah. They weren't that, I guess they just needed some sort of generic bad guy. There wasn't a lot. Robin, did you even understand what they wanted? I sure did not. They (laughs) found a spy and they melted his face and that was it, Uh, right? Yeah, they shot the whole head melting and they didn't use it. And I'm disappointed because that was one trope from 80s movies that I really enjoyed. And it was like melting heads. (laughs) Melting heads, melting faces. I mean. Indiana Jones movies did it the best, but oh. yeah, because the, the generic aliens are meant to look devilish, so they're in red and they're kind of pointy and kind of 
Mm, they talk funny. Funny. They have the voice thing, the voice boxes. Um, there's just like a lot of not really thought out plans here, <laughs> including like Centauri's plan about uh, he's going to drop these like uh, video game like um, consoles all over the place. And he so he he wanted to originally send this to Las Vegas, and so like th- what I realized was basically what he did to follow up on this he just drove to the trailer park and started asking people who did that so if he put it in the city was he just going to drive around las vegas asking people like hey who played this his game right here <laughs> you know like it seems like it's not a very good and how did and how did he not know that it because this is a plan that a lot of work went into if not forethought how did he not know it ended up in a trailer park which is very much not yeah, like, Vegas. did he pay somebody to, to deliver it for him? Or, like, how did it, like, seems like he was going rogue with this plan. Like, nobody up, like, up in, like, the like the Starfleet, like, even had any idea that he was doing this video game thing or something. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was off the books recruiting, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he seems to have been on Earth long enough to understand the culture, because he references Christmas. Right. You know, and, and things of that nature. So, Yeah. He's just kind of a screw up, isn't he? <laughs> he didn't do a good job at all. And did he even make a profit? I mean, did what he get his his headhunting fee even pay for the? Uh, does he get a per diem? You know, I really don't think so. This sounds like an independent contractor thing. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, a bad plan yeah. from start to finish. Because he had a really expensive beta unit, they probably those probably aren't cheap either. So, like, I don't know, his margin was really small. I guess that's <laughs> what we agreed to. But then, so then, like the 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 assassin guy who came down and like to kill the beta unit, like he came out of the machine, right? Like, yeah, which was just a thing, and then we never spoke of it again. <laughs> so, like, is that what happened? Like, it, like oh, it projected yeah, it, the like the first the first assassin, the guy with like his eyeballs next to his his cheeks. Mm-hmm he kind of teleports through the game and like takes over someone's body or something. It was just like like this really random deus ex (laughs) to get the assassin onto the planet. Yeah. They had no ideas. And this was just like, if if you ever watch the pitch meeting series on on YouTube, it would be, Oh, so the movie can happen. Right. That's why. So the movie can happen. Oh, um, speaking of happening, there was a, probably one of the best names of a secret weapon, which was the death blossom. Robin, <laughs> did, you yes. start thinking, did you start thinking about the onion blossom from Outback? No, State? I started thinking about Maya Bialik TV's blossom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you guys think of a better name? Cause it's sort of like the death blossom. I don't know. Just what it's great. It sounds like it's translated from the Japanese, like how kamikaze oh, is divine wind. Yeah. It, it sounds, it sounds like that, you know, in Japanese folklore or an experimental weaponry from World War II, there would be something that would translate as the death blossom. Yeah. And yeah, if any of our gentle listeners like... speak Japanese and want to tell us, you know, what that <laughs> phrase actually would be, you know, post it on the social media. <laughs> yes, I like and that we'll it was have, like and... marked off with white, uh, it was like white masking tape and red masking tape. <laughs> and he's like, don't touch that! That's a death blossom! Like, and we put it right under it... your elbow. Maybe, uh, I don't know, put like some sort of caution mechanism into that. That's what the tape was. Yeah, the tape. Was <laughs> you That's saw the, the tape. caution mechanism. <laughs> okay, my last question has to do with our buddy Greg. Um, so how do you think he his his uh, species reproduces? Because he says he has 6,000 children. 
he has a only cloud one of wife. spores. It's, it's, so he's, like a, he's like a death blossom, but he's like a birth blossom. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> that was an image. <laughs> poor poor wifeoid. Yeah. Um, I do have to say that Greg was not in the hurry to go back home at all. Um, he's just like, hey, look at you. Let's go. hey, you want to go visit your uh, family at the trailer park? Uh, and he you want to hit a happy hour. Yeah, and it kind of seemed like he was uh, flirting a little bit with the old ladies there. Like maybe uh, they yeah. were also leathery and scaly. <laughs> That's right. He's like, he's like, hey, I'm about to make seven thousand right here. But I mean, Greg did sort of resemble the Louis Gossett Jr. character to me in Enemy oh, Mind. Totally. So That's maybe true. he's also birthing, you know, <laughs> Re- reproducing asexually. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that was- <laughs> Be a little uh, uncomfortable, but we would go with it. Um, so that's all I have for questions of the last Starfighter. Does anybody else have anything that they would like to get into? Let me go. Let me go to my notes and see if I have <laughs> other, any other really, really great uh, things to say. Uh, one, you know, one place the film does deserve credit was in trying to imagine what video games would look like as technology improved, because trying to look into the future like that is like trying to picture a new color. Mm. You've just got nothing to go on. And when you look at how they designed the game with like the heads up display and kind of the, the cockpit feel, and then look at, at like wing commander games, they were pretty close. Yeah, they were. They did a they good were. job predicting like yeah. what video games uh, would look like. So kudos to them for that one. Robin, you got anything before we get into start ranking? Start ranking stuff. Um, no, I think I got in there that Alex was a whiny jerk, and <laughs> Joe, Joe from the Facts of Life could have done better. And again, just pack yourself like a little weekender bag, at least, girlfriend. <laughs> really had time to say goodbye to her, like her loved ones in the trailer park. Yeah. I mean, if if you're Alex, how about if you guys were Alex? Would you even go back, or you'd be like, you know, maybe there's something in Rylos. I don't know. Like- Moving stressful. <laughs> yeah, especially when you don't know if you can breathe the air of where you're moving to or can your body metabolize what they use as food. There's just a lot of questions. You want a brochure before, at least before you make a decision like this. I have a brochure for what we're doing next. We're going to be ranking the heroes and the villains. <laughs> so we are going to be ranking Alex Rogan and Zor. The generic villain. Uh, we got three categories for Alex Rogan. Uh, we're ranking all of our um, all of our heroes on the on the following categories. Number one is beefiness. Uh, two is charisma, and three is hair. Uh, last week we did Dar from the Beastmaster, who got very <laughs> high marks in beefiness, uh, low marks in charisma due to his assault on Kiri. <laughs> and then uh, hair was all a little bit kind of more mid midland. He got a two point six uh, seven score. And Mayax, uh, played by Rip Torn, he wasn't a very competent uh, villain, uh, but he had a good organization, and his clothing was uh, kind of midland. So in the villains, we are ranking their competency, their organization, and their clothing slash accessories. <laughs> Uh, this is on a scale of one to five uh, Kevin Sorbos. That's our um, point system, <laughs> Kevin Sorbos, which is sort of like kind of uh, he's the run of the mill. He'll do fine. Uh, <laughs> fantasy sci-fi actor. 
clearly not following his Twitter. Oh, is it good? I mean, I don't know. Like, no, he no. is also flaming garbage person. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> come yeah. on, man. Oh. And he's, he's from right. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. No. Not proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, everything I do is just not quite, <laughs> not quite there. Okay, so let's talk about Alex Rogan. Um, first one is beefiness. Moxie. His is more of an athletic build. It's a leaner build. He's not particularly beefy, though. He is quite attractive. Oh. Um, so he's a good looking boy. Don't act like that's surprising. <laughs> he, he has his little locks coming down, mm-hmm. right? He's a dreamy. Get, well, that's its own separate category. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's uh, so, true. <laughs> uh, we'll just we'll shoot the middle on this and give him a so this is what add five? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll give him a three. Okay. Three and then uh charisma. What do you think, Moxie? I've, I found him to be sufficiently charming as to earn a four. Okay. And his There hair. was some whining, but he lives in a trailer park in the middle of nowhere. You <laughs> whine too. Yes. And his hair? What do you think? His actual hair may also have a four. <laughs> that wig may burn in hell. <laughs> but no, the wig is so bad it actually helps to set off the beta as a fake person mm-hmm. because it is so stunningly unconvincing. So... It kind of spin, it kind of spins all the way back around, like how <laughs> ugly dogs are somehow cute, and uh, we're going to give him a four on hair. Well, that's a pretty strong marks from Moxie giving Alex Rogan a three point six seven. I want you to look at score. my COVID coiffure and understand <laughs> that this is my standard these days. So his hair looks pretty good. <laughs> oh, let's go to Robin. Beefiness. Um, I'm going two on beefiness. Uh, I'm going one on charisma. Yeah, I said it. And uh, I will give you a five for hair. <laughs> I'm a fan of Alex Rogan looking off into the future, just wanting to get out of there, not wanting to go to City College, not yeah. wanting anything to do with anybody. Being kind of a dick about yeah. City College, y'all. Like, come on, dude. And then, yeah. you know, hey, hide and seek. I know. I just got a great idea. We're going to defeat the aliens by playing hide and seek, y'all. No, unconvincing. Sorry. One. Uh, how about you, Tim? Beefiness. Uh, he's not very beefy, so I'll, I'll give him a two. Uh, and then for charisma, I mean, I'm comparing him to Dar. So, I mean, he's definitely miles above Beastmaster. So I would say maybe a four for charisma. And I'll give him a four for hair, too. Wig and all. <laughs> all right for beefiness i'm going to give him a one i mean he was just hiding beneath that flannel um not he's not he's not mark singer in those pecs that's what i gotta say <laughs> um charisma um I, I think i'll give him a two because you're right he's not quite there but he's also i don't know it's not a lot of fun <laughs> hair i think he has some pretty good hair so i'm gonna give him a four so that gives our buddy alex rogan a solid overall score of three putting him ahead of Dar from the Beastmaster. All right, let's get into Zur. He has three uh, categories, competency, organization, and clothing slash accessories. Uh, Moxie. Okay, this guy makes Cobra Commander look like a genius on every level. (laughs) So uh, he is twos across the board. I don't want to give a one. He did manage to stand up and control his bladder. So, (laughs) you know. Twos across the board. That's generous, man. <laughs> I'm I'm a, a magnanimous soul. I am a generous god. 
Um, I'll say competency one, organizational skills one, and if I can include the scepter thing in clothes as an accessory, I'll give you a one point five. <laughs> All right, <laughs> very very low marks, <laughs> Robin. Here, how about you, Tim? Um, for competency, he's a one. He's not very competent. Uh, I do like his organization, like the, the his like henchmen and things like that. Uh, but that only bumps him up to like a two because they got wiped out as fast as the Starfleet did. I mean, it didn't take much. I mean, the Death Blossom, I guess, but you know, didn't take much to wipe him out. And then, uh, yeah, that scepter was pretty cool. Uh, so I'll give him a three for overall attire and accessories. <laughs> you know, earlier we were talking about like how big this war actually was. Uh, if one hangar getting wiped out can take out one side of the army. What was the range on the Death Blossom? How many I know, ships I was could it yeah. possibly take it out? This wasn't really a much. It wasn't that big of a war. It was a minor was battle. Really cool, though, when he spun around and did the Q Q Q in the circle, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was. Yeah, but I, I get what you're saying. It's like it's not. It's not much of a war. It's just yeah, it's, kind it's of a like, like twenty, thirty craft on either side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not much of an invasion, so we're going to have much. Both armies we, we were had wiped zero out. Zero craft, so we'd, <laughs> yeah. we'd, we'd still be conquerable. Like, was that was a starfighter fighter base right on the frontier, or how was it? And they didn't really say, right? Like those, no, they, weren't, they weren't good with establishing time yeah. or distance. Like yeah. those rocks had to go, like had to go pretty fast to get there. But I mean, that's whatever. They're too busy. Not really, it's not really a hard sci-fi. This. <laughs> <laughs> Um, obviously that one guy wasn't making uh, the manual for the asteroid thrower. He was too busy with starfighters. But anyways, uh, for me, for Zer, I gave him a one incompetency, uh, two for organization. I guess he had to code in Armada, but you know they didn't really listen to him too much. And I gave him a two um, because he had that little scepter, which pushed him up for a one, which gives him a 1.7 score. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, not good. 1.7 Sorbos compared to Mayax is, uh, had 2.3, mainly because Mayax had that had that nose. Yeah, the melty nose. The melty <laughs> nose. And he also had like a bunch of people that were like uh, hanging themselves for him, which was pretty, which was yeah. pretty uh, amazing. So there what we are go. These movies that you are watching. You're throwing Christ. children into a pit of fire. Robin? Oh, I told oh. you, you sent me the list of movies and asked if I wanted to watch any, and I was like, I'll catch you fools in August. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, check check TBS at one in the morning. That's when it used to run yeah. back in the day. You know, that and like Highlander was another one. Was, Ooh, what I call, what I call Highlander. Like, well, I mean, yes, we could. Oh, I could talk at length about Highlander right now. Yes. Both, both factoids and questions like, why did we cast a Frenchman to play the Scot and a, Scot- <laughs> and a Scotsman to play an Egyptian from Spain? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The eternal question. Oh, you know, that would be like, awesome. It's like casting uh, uh, Jonathan Rhys-Davies, who is Welsh, to play Sala in the Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> and I imagine that conversation in casting was like, we need an Egyptian. I have a Welshman. Can you do the accent? Close enough. He does yeah. an accent. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. We're good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Oh, so we're at the end. Moxie, it was a great having you on. 
Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for letting me stomp all over your lovely little podcast. No, that's great. No, no, it's fine. You've definitely, I really enjoyed having you on and I hope that we can collaborate more in the future. Um, maybe, maybe doing the Highlander and stuff like that. Um, oh. But I hope to have you on again. The invitation's always there. If you oh, terrific. Oh, well, if you're still doing movies from the 80s, I am absolutely always interested because there were a couple on the list that that did catch my eye but this one was i mean i kind of want to i mean i kind of want to do some of the romancing with the stone stuff like right yeah, Rachel, yeah. Rachel, Rachel, like, yeah. The real yeah. Good. like there's a lot of stuff in the 80s that i don't know if we'll ever get out of <laughs> this decade right <laughs> so but, much. Uh, oh maybe we should do that next maybe we should do like like adventure eighties next. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, or the, something that was eighties and into the nineties. And we desperately need now, but no one is making. And that is screwball comedies. Your oh. naked guns, your hot shots. Oh yeah. That nature airplane. Yeah. So when you watch airplane, you're like, well, that's not being made right now. And we're not making that scene right now. <laughs> yeah. That, that Israel plane's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's just like that. Right. Don't see that. That wouldn't fly. No pun intended. But yeah, we need. We could do with a real uh, with a good screwball comedy these days. Can someone just prop up Mel Brooks and and get him on that, please? Man, he's ninety four. We don't have much time. Yeah, oh, I know. He's he's all alone too with Carl Reiner passing. That's so sad. Hmm. Um, well, he does have uh, some other people. It's like yeah. no, I know. <laughs> but they used to hang out every night and watch Jeopardy and like eat yeah. hot dogs and stuff like that. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. And, um, yeah, maybe screwball comedies after '80s adventure because I. Do you guys remember a band from Snowy River? Or was I the only one that watched that? Yeah, I, I am familiar with the phrase, but don't ask with, me. Any with the horses, like <laughs> I know that is a thing that exists in the world. Yeah, the Australian <laughs> horse it. movie. Yeah, that was. But for you, Bob, I will. But uh, and Robin, you will be I don't know back. About you guys, but Bob is entirely frozen on my screen. Yeah. Oh. Oh. oh, there we go. Now oh, it's caught. Oh, oh, sorry, Bob. Uh oh, I could hear you all too. Um, <laughs> yeah. <In there>. Anyways, <laughs> Moxie, we'll have to. I'll keep you in touch and in the loop, and keep you informed about what movies are coming up and openings. Robin, I will see you back for Masters of the Universe. <laughs> you're, you're not. It's not over. Not oh, over. me, sir. Did I commit to that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> run away! Oh. Run away! It'd be amazing. <laughs> And then Tim. Just, just remember, they couldn't practically do Orco, so that's why he got cut. Okay, so yeah, again, Billy Barty just, instead. So yeah, just like how we had the grain of salt for the CGI here, that one thing you have to excuse. The rest of it, excoriate <laughs> them, obscure them for the fact that we keep looking away from He Man to Courtney Cox and her problems. <laughs> you know, during the Masters of the Universe movie that have at but the whole replacing orco with a like elf kind mm-hmm. of thing i don't know i don't remember yeah i'll just say uh you're welcome robin and <laughs> well, if it's got monica from friends in it it can't be all bad and also oh, a, a, a young and glistening Dolph lundgren <laughs> yes yeah. Dolph lundgren with high Tim, on the beefiness help. Yeah. you Tim, have no help. idea what you're in for if you just said that oh, God. <laughs> so just, it's just gonna, gonna be cut. great Get get a bottle of white wine. <laughs> try to just focus on on Dolph Lundgren's shiny chest and, yeah. and, and his bondage yeah. gear. And, uh, you know. 
Yeah, if you You'll thought that, it, I promise. If you thought the last Starfighter was uh, convoluted, you have you're, you have no idea what you're in for. <laughs> Great, <laughs> super pumped. <laughs> uh, all right, Tim. I will see you next week with Clash right. of the Titans and. And everyone else, thank you for listening to the Aging Hipster Movie Show. The show was written by Bob Serrano and Tim Holly. Uh, produced and edited by Bob Serrano. The theme song was written by Kid Mental. Please check us out online. Join our Facebook group or go to www.theagenthipsternetwork.com. You can email me at uh, agenthipsternetwork at gmail.com. That is agenthipsternetwork at gmail.com. Once again, thank you and have a great night. Oh, no. No.